0: legend has it that alexander the great one of the greatest military generals who ever lived who conquered most of the known world with his vast army that he couldn't sleep one night during one of his military campaigns so he decided to walk around the campgrounds of his soldiers and as he was walking around he came across a soldier that was supposed to be on night guard duty but who had fallen asleep This was a dangerous place to be. The penalty for falling asleep on duty was severe, in some cases instant death. In fact, sometimes the commanding officer would pour kerosene over this person and light the match. So this soldier was asleep, and he began to wake up as Alexander the Great approached him. And rightly so, he was very anxious when he realized who it was that was approaching him as he was waking up. And Alexander the Great bellowed, Do you know the penalty for falling asleep on duty? Yes, sir, he stammered, or stammered, or however you say that. And Alexander the Great said, Soldier, what's your name? Alexander, sir. Alexander repeated the question, What is your name? My name is Alexander, sir. And a third time he asked, What is your name? And the soldier was getting really anxious. Alexander Alexander the Great looked at this young soldier in the eye and he said, soldier, either change your name or change your conduct. Alexander the Great did not want his name to be associated with sleeping on the job. And as people who know and follow Jesus Christ, we bear his name. We represent Jesus to the world. People were first called Christians as a nickname because they talked about Jesus Christ all the time. And similar to how Alexander the Great did not want his name associated with sleeping on the job, Jesus has been teaching his disciples in the last couple chapters that we've been talking about in the book of Mark what it means to bear his name, what it means to follow Jesus. Mark and other books of the Bible call those who follow Jesus disciples. And what it means to follow Jesus and to be disciples is the process of being his disciples, this discipleship. And so this whole section from Mark 8.22 through Mark 10.52, we started Mark 8.22 back in September, so this section from 8, Mark 8.22 to Mark 10.52 that we're covering this morning, the last uh, story, is all about discipleship, what it means to follow Jesus, what it means to be his disciple. And Mark, he, it, it's not, just so you know, it's not like following Alexander the Great. It's way different than that, but it's what we, it means to follow Jesus. And Mark brackets these, this section from Mark 8.22 to Mark 10.52, with two stories that are all about receiving sight. And he brackets this section with these two stories to highlight what, is, what this section is about, is receiving sight. So the story that begins this section that we covered way back in September was about how a blind man was brought to Jesus. And Jesus, he took the man aside. He took time for the man. He spit on his eyes and he asks, you know, do you see anything? And and he said, well, I see, I see, but it's fuzzy. I see people, but they look like trees walking around. And so then Jesus touched him a second time and healed him completely. And this was an amazing healing story, a unique healing story, but amazing, about how Jesus took time out for this man and he um, demonstrated his love, and, and, and it was also an object lesson, a, an illustration about uh, what was going to happen with the disciples that receive sight, to receive spiritual sight, they needed more time with him, a second touch. And so in the very next story, this, this already starts to become clear as uh, Jesus asks his disciples if they understand who he is. Who do people say I am? Who do you say I am? And, and G- Peter proclaims, you are the Messiah, and we think, he's got it. But then the story unfolds and we realize, no, he doesn't really understand. He needs another touch. He needs more time with Jesus. Today's story is about another blind man that Jesus stops and he takes time for. And he takes time to heal, and it's the last healing story in Mark. And it's significant that it ends this section on receiving sight, on receiving spiritual insight for the disciples as they slowly begin to understand more and more what it means for Jesus to be the Messiah. They're starting to see and what it means to follow a servant-suffering a suffering Messiah. Throughout this section, Jesus has predicted his death three different times. Four, if you count, when he was up on the mountain with Peter, James, and John, uh, because he, he told them about his death and resurrection again. So, four different times, he's, demonst- he's told his disciples that he's going to die and rise again. And after each time, the disciples demonstrate by their words and by their actions that they have no idea what it really that, that they're getting this, that they are understanding. They don't understand that Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem where he's going to be tried. He's gonna be condemned. He's going to be mocked, tortured, and killed. They don't understand that following him means to be ready to be persecuted and even suffer death because following someone means to go where they go and do what they did. They seem to be gaining a vague understanding that Jesus is on his way to something significant, but they've been so indoctrinated to uh, their understanding of what the Messiah is about. It's about a, a conquering king coming in and, and defeating the enemy, that that's what they have in their mind. And so uh, they, they're still jockeying for positions of power in this new regime. We saw that last week with James and John and how they asked for positions of power when Jesus comes into power. But the teaching that Jesus has been giving in these last chapters about what it means to follow Jesus is different. He says, to be great is not to be served, but to become humbled, become lowly, and to serve, serve the lowliest. That to find life is not to search for it and try to prove yourselves, but to give it to Jesus and to trust him for life. And that giving up everything for Jesus, whatever we put our trust in, letting that go and putting our trust in him instead, will give us infinitely more life, both now and in the age to come. And the disciples, they do get it, eventually, after the death and resurrection of Jesus. So their time with Jesus does heal them. And his, our time with Jesus can heal us as well. When we're willing to let him work in us. So Jesus, he's been on the way. And on the way, he's been teaching about discipleship, what following Jesus is all about. His disciples, they're spiritually blind and the symbolism of this physical blind healing, this physical, both physical healings at the beginning and the end of this section men being brought to Jesus to be healed of their physical blindness, it's, it's very powerful because we all need healing from Jesus. So let's turn to uh, Mark 10, 46 and, uh, and begin reading our passage for this morning. Mark ten forty-six verses uh, 46 to 52 we'll cover, but we'll just start reading with 46. It says, then they came to Jericho and I just wanna pause here for a second because the wording here in verse 46 of chapter 10 is the exact same wording as Mark 8:22 with the other healing. It's, the NIV adds the, the word then here, but in Greek, the, the phrase is exactly the same, kai erkante ice. three words that mean and they come to. Jericho here, Bethsaida there, but This reinforces with the repetition of words exactly like that that these two stories are bracketing a section a whole section that's meant to be understood with this surrounding uh, highlight about healing from sight or giving sight at the beginning of chapter 10 we learned that Jesus had gone across the Jericho River to the Judea on the other side and uh, Jericho was on the way from there to Jerusalem. So Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem, and Jericho was built by Herod the Great as a center of power and wealth. So as we read this story, there's a contrast here that uh, between the affluence of this great city Jericho and this blind, poor blind man who's who's kind of pushed to the side. So let's keep reading. Then they came to Jericho. As Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Now, Jesus was accompanied by a great crowd. We, we've, we've seen that over and over again in Mark. Wherever he goes, people want to gather. They want to flock to him. They want to see him. So we're used to that. And Jesus, with his disciples and the crowd, they, they leave the affluence of the city, and a poor blind man has found a place to beg. He's sitting by the roadside, so he's on the side. He's removed. He's marginalized. He's marginalized. And there's the contrast between the affluence and, and this man, but he's given a name. This is the only healing story where a man is given a name. The man that's healed, or a person that's healed is given a name. The story of the other blind man is also unique. In the, at the beginning of chapter eight, that's the other bracket for these, this section on discipleship. It's unique because it took two steps to heal him. There's two unique healing stories on either side of this whole section. Just another connection uh, that's, that's highlighting that this, is, this whole discipleship section is about receiving sight. Well, Bartimaeus, he hears that the one passing by is Jesus of Nazareth. And this title, Jesus of Nazareth, is, is uh, important as well. It, it, in Mark one twenty four, we read that, Jesus of Nazareth. And that was the first healing story. This is now the last healing story in Mark. And again, that phrase is used. Uh, In Judges 16, 17, Samson is God's powerful Nazarite or powerful anointed one. Jesus is God's powerful anointed one. And so uh, so that's the title given, but Bartimaeus uses another title, Jesus, Son of David. And this is significant because the people have been waiting for a descendant of David to be the Messiah. So blind, poor, vulnerable Bartimaeus, who cannot see, just by hearing Jesus passing, is passing by, he seems to have a deeper insight into who Jesus is than the people who have been following him along the way and hearing his teaching the whole time. He cannot see, and yet he seems to have a deep insight. In contrast to the request of James and John, who asked Jesus to do for, him, for them whatever they want, Bartimaeus asks something that only people who truly understand who Jesus is and what he's about would ask. He says, have mercy on me. He realizes that it's only by the mercy of God that we receive anything from him. We only receive by God's mercy. We don't receive because we have wealth or status or uh, we're elite in some way or that we earn something or do anything. We receive because of God's mercy. Blind Bartimaeus is demonstrating this deep spiritual insight even as he cannot see. Uh, Verse 48, 48, Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called to the blind man, cheer up on your feet. He's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. Somehow Bartimaeus perceived what the disciples weren't, didn't seem to be understanding, that Jesus, the powerful anointed Messiah, had come to serve the least to come to serve someone like him Bartimaeus who is marginalized on the side of the road and Bartimaeus is willing to ask for his mercy in spite of protest notice that the people who are who are following Jesus are not doing what Jesus taught they're not serving the least they're pushing him aside be quiet And Bartimaeus doesn't let that stop him. He continues to ask for mercy, and and, uh, he demonstrates an insight and a faith that Jesus would love him and show him mercy. And when Jesus called him, he responded immediately and completely. He threw off his cloak and he jumped up. His cloak would have been his only possession. It would have been what kept him warm at night, and yet he's willing to throw it aside, cast it aside, get up and follow Jesus. And then check out what Jesus asks him. Verse 51, what do you want me to do for you? asked Jesus. If you were here last week, this phrase might sound familiar to you, and it should because it's the exact phrase that he used when when James and John said, can you do for us whatever we want? And Jesus asked, what do you want me to do for you? And the response of Bartimaeus reveals another contrast between James and John, who have been with Jesus, yet still lack insight, and this man who is physically and spiritually, uh, physically blind, yet spiritually insightful. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Bartimaeus knows what he wants, just like James and John knew what they wanted, but unlike James and John who wanted power and glory, Bartimaeus didn't ask for money, although he had none. He didn't ask for power and glory, although he could have. He asked just for what he needed, just for what he lacked. He recognized what he lacked, ordinary sight. In that story that we covered way back in September in Mark 8, 22, we saw that this blind man, the healing of a blind man in two stages was kind of a a parable or kind of a, object lesson for what the disciples needed. They needed another touch. They needed more time with Jesus in order for the spiritual healing and the spiritual sight. This story seems to be another object lesson for what disciples should be truly asking for, not power and glory or other things for selfish gain, but for spiritual healing. That's what they lack, divine insight. Well, Jesus again in this whole process shows that he came to love people, to really love people. Even as he was on his way to the cross to save all of humanity, he takes time for this one individual to work with him. He took time out for this man who asks for mercy. He stopped to call him, he took time to ask him what he wanted, and then Verse 52 says, Jesus said, go. Your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and he followed Jesus along the road. The word for healing here can also mean saved. And that word is a a word that the Bible uses to talk about spiritual healing. People are healed by being saved from their sins because our sins enslave us. And the death of Jesus is the only thing that could pay the ransom the only payment that could free us from our enslavement to sin and guilt and shame so bartimaeus was healed both physically as he received physical sight but also spiritually as he began to follow jesus on the road at the beginning of the story he was pushed to the side now he's following jesus along the road spiritual healing not only releases us from something awful but it Uh, but it also calls us to something beautiful, following Jesus. Bartimaeus receives physical and spiritual sight. He received the healing of Jesus and became the disciple that Jesus had been teaching about as he was teaching his followers on the way. There's a story about a women's Bible study who was working their way through the book of Malachi in the Old Testament. When they got to Malachi 3.3, 3, they read about how God was going to purify the Levites. They had become corrupt, and they're the ones who led Israel in their worship practices. And the verse says that the Lord will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. These women were curious about what it meant for a, for, about the character of God that the, he's being compared to a silversmith. And so one of the women volunteered to find out more of the process of refining and purifying silver. So later in the week, she arranged a meeting with um, a local silversmith to go and watch him at work. She didn't tell him why. She just said, I want to know the process. And as she watched him working on a particular piece of of silver, he explained that the only way to purify and refine silver is to, to hold it in the middle of the fire where the flames are the hottest so it could burn all the impurities away. The woman thought back to Malachi 3.3 3, and remembered that it specifically mentioned that Jesus sits as a refiner and purifier of silver. So she asked the silversmith, is it important to stay here? Could you walk away and go do something and come back? A little later, and he said no. He had to stay there and keep his eyes on the silver every second because if he left it too long, it could damage the silver. Well, intrigued, she asked, well, how do you know when it's fully refined? And he said, that's easy. I know it's refined when I see my image reflected in it. Jesus, he, he, could have, he could have just heard the blind man's cry and said you're healed and kept moving. But that's not his way. Like the silversmith takes time to sit with that silver and work with it. Jesus works with people. He invites, and then he waits for Bartimaeus to respond. And then he asks what he wants. And then he waits for the answer. And then he begins the process of healing. For Bartimaeus, it was immediate physical healing along with the beginning of the spiritual healing process as he followed Jesus along the way. He did the same with the blind man at the beginning of the whole section that we're talking about that two stage he went out of his way to take time for the man he asked him how it was working and and waited for the response and then he gave him a second touch he did the same with the disciples he invited them and as they followed him he taught them and when they didn't get him he get it he taught them more he predicted his death and resurrection three or four times and When they continued not to get it, he taught some more and he kept walking with, working with them. But Jesus does even more than that. The disciples didn't understand until after his death and resurrection. See, Jesus, he didn't just come to teach. He came to do what no other person could do. He solved the problem of sin and guilt and shame and brokenness. That's in the world because of humanity and our choices to to go against him. He took the full weight of all of that upon himself. He didn't come and conquer it and destroy it through conquest, but he absorbed it. That's what love does. It absorbs the pain and hurt of another person. And he absorbed it. The debt... That every human is enslaved by the debt of our thoughts and our actions that hurt others or hurt God. He took it upon himself and he paid the price so that we could be free. And now he invites us to follow him. And when we respond, he works with us just like that silversmith works with the metal. Jesus never leaves us just like the silversmith never leaves the metal. And just like the metal, the silver, has to go through a a very hurtful process, I imagine, in those flames. Sometimes Jesus allows us to go through trials and heartaches and pain and hurt. But through it all, he's with us. And he's doing something in us that will reflect his image. Following Jesus is not easy, but the disciples will tell you it's worth it. It's the most meaningful, fulfilling, joyful, and loving way to live. So I want to invite you this morning to pray the prayer that Bartimaeus prayed. Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. Lord, have mercy on me. If you haven't asked him to forgive you, to heal you of your sin and your guilt and your shame, you can admit that you need him today. You can ask him. To forgive you and he will you can put your f- complete faith and hope and trust in him and just like bartimaeus put his faith in jesus it doesn't say how much he put he just whatever he had whether you have a little faith or a lot of faith that doesn't matter it's who you put it in and he put it in jesus and jesus healed him so put whatever faith you have in him and he will forgive you and he will give you life if you're already following Jesus, if you have received His healing touch, and you've put your complete faith, faith and hope and trust in Him, be encouraged that He is with you on the way. He's working with you and in you to be more and more like Him. Whatever whatever He's taking you through, however much that hurts, be encouraged that He's with you and that he's doing something amazing in you. He's making you more full of love, full of peace, patience, joy, all the character of Jesus, the beauty of Jesus, the almighty God. You bear his image. Let's pray. Jesus, The more we read about you, the more we learn about you, the more beautiful you become. And Lord, you are just beyond our imagination. Thank you that we can continue to grow in you. Thank you that you are doing something in us that is more amazing than we could possibly imagine because you're making us like you and you are beyond imagination. God, may we reflect you more and more maybe be encouraged this morning no matter what we're going through that you got us that you love us and you're with us and you're doing something in us even if we can't see it if we can't feel it even if we feel so far from you it's not about how we feel it's about you and what you're about so lord encourage us inspire us and 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 help us to reflect you in everything we do You want to reconcile all things and we are your way to do it. You have entrusted us. You have invited us. Thank you. Help us to be faithful. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.